to look at several different passages of Scripture this morning. First uh, John uh, chapter 1 verse 1 or verse 9. First John 1 9 is going to be a place we're going to hit and we'll look at some other passages as well. As you're turning there, uh, this is Christmas. It's a time for us to be giving. Um, and this morning, I just want to remind you again, we've been giving out little cards uh, there at the, uh, I think at the, at the table out in the lobby. You see them at different uh, tables in throughout the church. It's little cards that say, pay it forward. And it's just a way for you to remind people that uh, the Christmas time of year is a wonderful gift of Jesus Christ and that gift that uh, has been given for us, a way for you to remind uh, people of that gift that, that we have. And I want to encourage you today, here's a, here's a little uh, a simple way. Uh, that you could use that card. Take one of those cards. Um, go to lunch after service today. You know the places that are open and have, have people working there. You know they're probably not going to get very good tips today. And so why don't you take that card, give your waitress or waiter a 50% tip, and give them that card. And as a, as a great way to remind them that Christ loves them. Um, that'd be a good practical way. So, but use those cards. You can think of creative things yourselves. Use those cards, again, to just encourage people this Christmas, uh, this Christmas season. Also encourage you to, to bring somebody with you. Uh, next Sunday morning, people are, are open to this whole uh, story of Christmas, story of Christ. And uh, next Sunday morning would be a great time for you to bring somebody that might, might not have a church home. Or also a uh, Christmas Eve service. Uh, we really would love to reach out to our community and be a blessing to our community and share the great message of Christmas, so I encourage you to do to do those things. Well, we've been talking about giving gifts. We've been talking about total forgiveness. This this series that we're doing is based on a book that R. T. Kendall wrote. It's available again in our bookstore. I encourage you to to um, to pick up a copy of that uh, that book yourself. It's a it's a great book. Um, and we've been talking about what it means to experience uh, or to give total forgiveness. That we understand that God has forgiven us, and in turn that we should be giving that same kind of gift that we have been given to other people. That we should be as followers of Christ, that we should, if anybody should be, people that are willing to forgive. It is those of us who have been forgiven, and we've been talking about giving that gift to other people. This morning we're going to kind of change things around a little bit and come from a little different angle, and we're going to talk about what it means for us that have been forgiven by God to come to a place that we can also experience total forgiveness in forgiving ourselves. And those two things are very different. I don't think probably most of us struggle with the concept and the idea that God loves us so much that he sent Christ here and that as a result of what Christ did that we could be forgiven that God loves us, that God wants to forgive us, and that if we'll just confess those things to him, no matter what they are, that he will forgive us. Great concept. I don't think most of us probably struggle with that piece of it. The piece that probably we struggle with more often than not, and something that we might, as we sit here today, and as a result of what we talk about today, I hope that you are just set free. This can be a great Sunday for all of us. But it's something that we will need to continually revisit in our lives. Continually revisit because today we might understand, yes, I need to forgive myself. But there will be times that it will get brought back up to us and our sin 
will get brought back up to us down the road, a year down the road, two years, ten years, and we will need to come back to this concept of total forgiveness and forgiving ourselves. Why do we struggle to forgive ourselves? It's different reasons. Sometimes we have a sin that has been so profound in our lives. It's, it seems so big that it's hard to forgive ourselves. You may sit here today and you have committed one of those sins that it makes it difficult for you uh, to totally forgive yourself, that you have, have been going through life uh, struggling with being able to forgive yourself. Maybe it's because you let someone down in some profound way. Maybe you struggle with forgiving yourself because you have an abortion in your past. Maybe you struggle to forgive yourself because you have been unfaithful to your spouse. Or maybe you've committed a crime. Or maybe you've cheated someone. Or maybe you abused your own children. Or maybe you ruined someone else's career. Or maybe you destroyed your own health by reason, because of reasons, because of things and habits that, that, that you had earlier in your life. Maybe you've been abused by someone else and you've always blamed yourself for that abuse. Maybe you today sit here and you struggle with some other thing that only you and God know about. And one of the issues that you have is that you can't seem to live totally free because you can't seem to forgive yourself. Today, I want to tell you that in Christ, you can be set free today. Listen to this passage. In 1 John, the scripture says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we have confessed our sins to God with a sincere heart, the scripture tells us that God are, and he's described here, God our faithful and just heavenly father tells us, gives us his word that, we will be forgiven. And in addition to that forgiveness that we experience, that we will be purified from all unrighteousness. So in other words, we've been cleaned up, we've been cleaned out, that there's a difference that that forgiveness makes. And what an awesome present. We think about Christmas, we think about presents. What an awesome present we have been, we have been given in that forgiveness that we have been offered. And the reality is that we will never realize that freedom that is available to us until, until we open that, for some of us, that unopened box, that unopened part of that gift, which is the gift of being able to forgive ourselves for whatever it is that's in our past. And so today, God wants us to be free from the bondage of sin, to be free from this inability that at times all of us experience, and that is the inability to forgive ourselves. There's a passage in Philippians 3, verse 13, and it says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. So, so here, in other words, he's saying, you know what? I know that I'm not perfect. This is Paul talking. I know I'm not perfect, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. Now who is writing this passage? The guy that was writing this passage is a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, earlier in life, had a, it went by a different name. His name was Saul. Saul, we know uh, uh, earlier, and Scripture tells us this, he tells us this himself. Uh, as he talks about himself, Paul does in the New Testament. He talks about how he persecuted Christians. He talks about how he went from house to house. And he, he, uh, we know from the context that he was dragging Christians out of their homes. That he was imprisoning them. And he even alludes to the fact that some of them died as a result of what he did to them. We have that story in Acts, I believe it's Acts 7, where Saul is standing there. And there are stoning Stephen, about to stone Stephen, and they all lay their coats at his feet. In essence, he's approving of what they did as they kill this wonderful man of God by the name of Stephen. And so imagine the guilt and the shame that, that Saul, whose name then was changed to Paul, what he experienced uh, as he thinks back on all of the things he used to do, all of the sin that he had committed against God's own people, and yet it's Paul who says to us, I forget what's past, and I strain forward into the future. And this morning, I want to talk to us together about what it means for us today in this setting to forget what's past, to strain to what's ahead, and to be able to come to a place where we can totally forgive ourselves. The first question that we need to ask ourselves as we think about this subject is, well, why should I forgive myself? Um, it's a good question to ask. It has a very simple answer. There's a couple parts to it, but a very simple answer. And the first part of the answer to that question is, uh, is because God wants us to. We need to understand how deep and great and wide the love that God has for us really is. And he desires us to be totally free from our sins, totally free from the mistakes that we've made in our lives. He wants us to live in the, in, in the fullness of what it means to be forgiven through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. When we think about what Christ did, what Christ did was make it possible for us not, again, just to be forgiven, not just that God could forgive us, but it also made it possible for something to happen within us, and that something is that we could forgive ourselves. When we look at Scripture, Scripture is clear that there is a price for sin. The church says that the wage of sin is death. If I go down to and get a job you know, flipping hamburgers down at McDonald's, when I sit down to get that job, before they give me the job, they're going to tell me what my wage would be. If you work here one hour, here's your wage. God said to us, the wage for the sin that you commit is this. And what he said is, that wage is death. Jesus Christ. Instead of paying for his, the debt that he owed, he didn't have one because he never sinned, Instead of paying his own debt because he didn't have one, he paid ours. And so he paid the penalty for our sin. And there's nothing that we can do to earn that forgiveness. 
We can't be good enough. We can't, we can't work for it. We can't earn it. And continuing to beat ourselves up after we have been forgiven of it is not necessary. We walk around with the attitude that, you know, this, this attitude that, that, I, that, yeah, I did these things and, and that uh, we still walk around with that attitude of not being able to forgive ourselves. That attitude is offensive to God. Because what we're saying in essence to God is, yeah, I know that you forgave me. What Christ did for me was enough to buy the forgiveness that I needed from you, God. But what Christ did on the cross is not enough to buy the forgiveness that I need for myself. And that's offensive. We need to come to a place where we realize that we call it amazing grace because that's what it is. And the amazing grace makes it possible, yes, for God to forgive me, but that amazing grace also makes it possible for me to be able to forgive myself and not to have to live the rest of my life in bondage to something that happened in my past. I can be set free. And as Paul, able to say, I forget what's behind. And I focus on what's ahead. And so this morning... I want you to understand how deep and how great God's love for you is. To make it possible for you to be able to forgive yourself. I, I remember, think back to that time when Peter is, um, remember when Jesus was taken away. And he's led away and Peter follows, Scripture says, at a distance. And, he, and he's warming himself by a fire and there's some people that begin to ask him, well, aren't you, and, and they're, Peter doesn't know what's going to happen. Are they going to imprison him? Are they going to beat him? Are they going to, are they going to kill him? He, Jesus had alluded to some of those things, and, and Peter doesn't exactly know what's going to happen. He knows that Jesus is in a lot of trouble. And he doesn't really want to be identified with Jesus because he doesn't know what they would do to him. And so he, he's asked the question, aren't you with this guy? And Peter three different times says, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know that guy. He denies Christ three different times. If we fast forward a you know, into the future, we see then Jesus on the beach. And he's cooking up some food for some of his disciples that had been fishing. And this is after Jesus has died and rose from the dead. And here he is on this beach, and Peter comes along, and they begin to talk. And Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. Peter says, well, of course, you know that I love you. And Jesus replies, well, then feed my sheep. In other words, okay, if you love me, then I want you to carry on this message. Then I want you to go and, and take care of my people. I want you to feed my sheep. And just like I've been a shepherd to you, now I want you to be a shepherd to others. Peter, of course, yes, Jesus, I'll do that. Well, Peter, he asked him again the second time, Peter, do you love me? The same response, the same kind of thing. He says the same things to him. Well, then feed my sheep. And a third time he asked him, and I wonder if it occurred to Peter in that setting, and I think it did, that Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? He asks him, okay, if you do, then please feed my sheep. Three different times, Jesus affirms to Peter, the same number of times that Jesus was denied by Peter, he asks of Peter, okay, Peter, I want you, you specifically, 
to live your life in this world on purpose. I want you to, to do some things for me. I want you to feed my sheep. Nothing more important than Jesus could tell him than, than this phrase, I want you to feed my sheep, Peter. Imagine what that did to help Peter to understand that Jesus had forgiven him. Jesus wasn't holding it against him. We don't see Jesus and Peter when they, when they uh, those first interactions they had after Christ is crucified and rose from the dead. We don't see Jesus pointing fingers and blaming him and beating him up over it. You see Jesus freeing him from that guilt. And I think it's what made Peter so successful on that day of Pentecost. When he was able to stand up in front of those people and to preach the power of the gospel and filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that he had been forgiven and even coming to the point because Jesus had forgiven him of being able to forgive himself. And that's what God wants for us. God wants us. Why do we need to forgive ourselves? Because God wants us to forgive ourselves. The second great reason that we should forgive ourselves and be willing to do that. Not only does God want us to, the second part of that is Satan doesn't want you to. And as a general rule, if there is anything that Satan doesn't want us to do, we ought to do it. And if Satan doesn't want you to live your life experience the, experiencing the freedom that you can have as a result of what Jesus did for you and experience what that means to forgive yourself, then you ought to do it. There's nothing that Satan would want more if he can't have you literally. If, if, if you're in a relationship with God, then, then he's lost the battle for your soul, okay? Okay, and so if that has happened, and if you've confessed your sin to Christ, and, and you've sought that forgiveness that you can have, the next best thing for Satan is for him to keep you living your life like you've not been forgiven. If he can keep you in bondage to that past, if he can keep you in bondage and continue, if you can continue to beat yourself up and if you can be ineffective in this, in this life because you're struggling with the sin and the guilt and all that stuff, if Satan can keep you right there, that's exactly where he wants you. And just because of that, we ought to be able, we ought to do everything that we can to make sure we forgive ourselves because Satan doesn't want us to. Jesus talked about Satan in John 8, verse 44. He talks about Satan, he describes him. He says he's a liar. He's the father of liars. He's a deceiver. He says no truth is in him. And Satan is deceiving us, telling us that we have to live our lives acting like and, and walking through life like we've not been forgiven. Like we, we need to continue to beat ourselves up for those past sins that we've been forgiven of. Satan wants to keep you there, so as a result, we ought to do something different. We ought to allow ourselves to forgive ourselves like God wants us to and Satan doesn't want us to. So what is it then that would keep us, another question, we understand you know, why we should because God wants to, Satan doesn't. Another question would be, well, what keeps us from totally forgiving ourselves? There's a couple things. Some common reasons would be, one would be anger. If we go back to that Old Testament story that we used a couple weeks ago, the story of Joseph, and Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. He goes to Egypt, lives his life, has some horrible situations, but finally comes out of that. And now here he is as basically the prime minister of Egypt, and his brothers, his family, has come, and they're, they're standing there before him, 
And Joseph is, is forgiving them. He wants to offer them forgiveness for what they've done to him. Listen in Genesis 45 verses 5 and 6 what Joseph, this man that has come to really understand humanity and how we operate, listen to what he says to his brothers. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He tells his brothers, don't be angry with yourselves. He told them that because he understood that the natural reaction to what they did to him, selling him into, as a slave, and now here he is wanting to forgive them, that, that they're probably going to still struggle with being angry with themselves. I can't believe that we did that. We were young and, and stupid. I can't believe we did that back then. And to be unable to forgive themselves because they were angry with themselves. Joseph understood human nature. We need to understand human nature, and it's the same for us, that we also can struggle with forgiving ourselves because we're angry with ourselves. Angry that, you know, the pain that we've caused God. Angry because of the pain that we've caused people that maybe are close to us or people that we love or people that we've disappointed. Angry. That we gave in again to that sin. And because we're angry with ourselves and because we're in the, it feels sometimes better to beat, beat on ourselves a little bit, that anger causes us not to be able to forgive ourselves. And again, don't allow, allow your anger over your sin to keep you from being free from it. Being free from being able to forgive yourself. Another thing that potentially gets in the way of us forgiving ourselves is our pride. Pride has any number of negative effects on our lives. And here's yet another negative effect that pride can have. And the way that pride works here is that we think that somehow it's too easy. And we, this is nothing we would ever verbalize. It's more in the way we live and the way we act. We, we think... In the, in the way that we act, it must be too easy. It's too easy for, for, for us to be forgiven for what we've done. You know, I know that Christ died for my sins, but there's got to be more to it. There's got to be something that I need to do. God certainly needs my help. And so we see that pride, thinking that God needs our help somehow to really experience this forgiveness that he wants to give us. Feels like there needs to be more to it than that. That he needs us to help kind of seal the deal. That we need to live with the effects of our sin. That, that I need to live with the guilt. To live with the bondage that my sin has created within me. And I, I would just say that we'd be able to probably cut the counseling load in half of our professional counselors in our society. If we could get what it means to forgive ourselves. And really live with being able to free ourselves from that pain. And so we live like what Christ did for us is good, but it's not quite good enough to allow me to be able to forgive myself. And again, while we don't say that, we live that way. And it keeps us from being, it keeps us in that place of being unwilling to forgive ourselves. Again, our pride. The last thing that I would say that keeps us from being able to forgive ourselves or has that potential is what we could call pseudo-guilt. 
when that word pseudo means false or counterfeit. Um, any of you ladies ever got from your husband some faux pearls? F-A-U-X. I was at uh, Stephen Barry's the other day, or this week. Chris and I were doing some Christmas shopping. And everything in the store is $8.98. That's $8.98. And they go over there's these jackets and they're like, wow, that's, that's a leather jacket. $8.98. And I walk over to it and I'm like, that is a pseudo leather jacket. Um, you don't buy a leather jacket for $8.98. Um, for those of you who bought your Rolex watch at the flea market, okay, let me give you a little tip. It's a pseudo Rolex watch. It's a counterfeit Rolex watch. It's a false Rolex watch. Guilt is something that's good for us. It has some wonderful effects on our lives. It helps us to realize the sin that we've committed. But there is this thing called pseudo-guilt. And pseudo-guilt, and, and, guilt is something that happens to us when we sin. Helps us realize that sin. Pseudo-guilt is what continues to happen to us, what we do to ourselves after that sin has been taken care of. After we have confessed our sin, there is this thing that we could call pseudo-guilt that we continue to live with. And yes, it's real. It's real because we bring it ourselves. It doesn't come from God. It comes from us. Listen again to what 1 John 1.9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so yes, guilt is a good thing. And yes, because of our sin, we experienced it. But when we have put 1 John 1, 9 into practice, when we have confessed our sins, he is faithful, he is just, he has forgiven us, he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And so pseudo-guilt, false, counterfeit guilt, keeps us in bondage, keeps us from forgiving ourselves. And so this morning, are you still in bondage? Are you still feeling guilty for sins you committed way back when? And if so, that's pseudo-guilt, and it's getting in the way of you experiencing the freedom, the forgiveness, the forgiveness that God wants to give you from yourself. Now, let me just give a point of clarification. It's this. I'm not talking about being free from the consequences uh, of our sin. To be, it's not, we're not talking about being free from the restitution that we might need to give as a result of our sin. If you have cheated on your taxes... And you've asked God to forgive you of that. You still need to pay, pay, okay? If you have been forgiven by someone that you cheated out of some money, uh, it doesn't mean that you don't still need to pay them back. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being free from the effects of that sin internally, not, not some of those consequences that we all will have to pay uh, based on our sin. Now let me... And then move forward. We've talked about, you know, why should we for, forgive ourselves? Uh, what are some common reasons or things that keep us from forgiving ourselves? Our, our anger, our pride, our pseudo-guilt, our false guilt. And now here it is. Let's imagine. It's Christmas morning. The present is under the tree, and the present that God wants us to open up today, Christmas morning, is this gift, this present of being able to forgive ourselves. So how do we do that? How do we open up that gift so we can enjoy it? What are the steps to opening that gift of forgiving ourselves? Step one, 
is we need to understand how to forgive, forgive ourselves, is to understand guilt. Now, we talked a bit about guilt already. When we look at, uh, let me, let's just kind of open it up a little more. When we look at the subject of guilt in Scripture, we see it's a good thing. In Adam, with, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God said, you can do whatever you want to do, just don't eat from this one tree. And what did they do? They ate from that one tree. He said there's going to be consequences if you eat from that tree. There were consequences. One of those consequences was, was they felt guilty. And we see that they felt guilty because what does Scripture tell us they did? They went and they hid from God because they felt guilty about what they had done. We feel guilty when we've sinned. Look at uh, Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a wonderful example of someone who feels guilty. It's David who had been, who, he was an adulterer. We've talked about his story. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He lived like that for months and months. Finally, he's confronted of that sin. And in Psalm 51, we see as a result of that confrontation, as a result of coming face to face with his sin and the reality of his sin, Psalm 51 shows us David's guilt that he feels. And let me just catch a couple of verses of what he was saying. He says, have mercy on me, God, God, according to your unfailing love. Wash away my iniquity. I know my transgression. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. I was sinful at birth. He, he talks about this, what's going on in him and what's going on in him is he's feeling guilty. So guilt, yes, is a good thing. It helps us to realize our sin. And we need that. But we also need to realize that sin has a purpose. And that purpose is to help us to see our sin. But after it's worked its purpose, we then don't need to carry that sin for that, or carry that guilt for that sin throughout the rest of our lives. Guilt helps us realize our sin. It's not something we're supposed to carry from that point on. And we, understand, we need to understand that point and understand what guilt really was intended for. Another thing that we need to understand so that we can experience total forgiveness is not just what guilt really is. We also need to understand what grace really is. God's grace is his Christmas gift to us. God's grace, his love, his favor, his blessing, his mercy. All of it available to us without having to earn it. Listen to what Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 says about grace. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, dead in our sins. It is by grace that you have been saved. Every other, if you do a comparative study of world religions, what you find is that world religions all have at their core the need to gain God's favor through the good things that we do. Grace is totally different. Grace is enjoying God's favor despite what we've done because of what Jesus did, something that we did not earn and we don't deserve. That's what grace is. We live in a world that talks a lot about being fair. I have two boys that their lives are just totally focused on everything being absolutely, totally fair. If there's a cake and there's a piece of the cake and you're cutting the pieces of the cake, they have to be exactly the same size because it's got to be fair. 
When one child does something, one boy does something and is going to get in trouble, the other one wants to remind, uh, remind me of what's fair. Now, Dad, when I did that, this is what you did to me, and that's fair. So this is what he deserves. Every, all of life has to be fair. Everything just split 50-50 if it's between the two of them. Totally, absolutely fair. I'm glad, and you should be glad, that my two boys don't run the universe. Now, there's a lot of reasons why it's good that they don't run the universe. This is a good reason why they should not run the universe. We do not want to live in this world under the premise that everything in this life has to be fair. If everything was fair, then we, what's fair is you and I paying for our sin ourselves. Because we did it. That's what's fair. What's fair is the punishment for sin, God said, is death. And that means me paying for that sin. That's fair. What's fair, what's not fair, is Jesus Christ who never sinned, who was born in this world, this perfect sinless child. And he lived among us. He was tempted in every way like us. But yet when he came to the conclusion of his life, he had never sinned. But yet he paid for our sin. That's not fair. What Jesus Christ did is not fair. Reliant K wrote a song, and one of the little phrases in that song is, the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Grace is not fair. And I hope that you're as excited about that as I am. <laughs> I'm glad that, that God's not being fair with me. I'm glad that instead that I can rely on his grace and his mercy. 1 John 1, 9 again tells me, If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. We are saved by grace. And the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, did a perfect job. And again, it's offensive to God when we walk through our lives acting like there's something else that grace did not accomplish. Yes, we were forgiven by God, but we can also experience that forgiven, forgiveness for ourselves. We can forgive ourselves because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That's grace. And it's not fair. And it's our gift from him this Christmas. The gift of forgiveness. Have you given it to yourself? Have you opened up that gift? God wants us to open it up. Satan doesn't want you to open up. Our pride, our anger, our false guilt, all those things get in the way. And this morning we can open that, that gift up when we understand that guilt is not something we have to continue to live with. It's something that we, lived, that, that we experienced so that we could understand our sin, that so we seek forgiveness. And so once it's been forgiven of, once the reason for the guilt is gone, there's no reason to still experience it. So we get rid of that guilt and we experience His grace. And like Paul say, I forget what's behind me. And I strive forward to what's ahead. And when we do that, this life will open up. And we will experience the freedom that Christ intended. I'm, let me just share one little tidbit. I was down at Dino's restaurant this past week having lunch with somebody from the church. Or maybe it's the week before. Anyway, the week before. 
and uh, get done with our meal. And the lady says to me, now, with this meal, you get dessert. Wow. If she hadn't told me, I would have missed this wonderful bonus. And all of us, I think, that sit here today have experienced that great meal of forgiveness that God has given us. And we know what it means to be forgiven of our sin. If you haven't today, you need to experience that. But if you've experienced that, there's some dessert that you might not have understood that is available to you. And I'm the waitress that's coming to your table to tell you today that there is some dessert that's available. And the dessert is, not only can you be forgiven by God, but you can forgive yourself of all of that junk that's in your past this morning. Be set free by his grace. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for, again, God, the awesome truth of your word over and over and over. When we look at it, it opens up just new, exciting things to us. And Father, today, I just want to pray for my friends that are gathered in this place that have been in bondage to their sin. God, they've come to you and they've sought forgiveness, but God, then they've picked that sin back up and they've been walking through life and been unable to forgive. Maybe it's abuse that they've given to somebody else. Maybe they've been unfair. Maybe they've cheated somebody. Maybe they've, they've done some egregious thing that no one understands. No one else knows about, God. Today, Father, in the name of Christ, I pray that you would, by the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, bring here in this place total forgiveness. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.